the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through James. You know, sometimes it's the flat tire and we think, oh, this is a, you know, this is an inconvenience, this is a difficulty, but maybe God is redirecting you. You know, there are different things that happen. Not every trial is to be seen as something that is terrible because in the long run, it might actually be God's way of redirecting. So these are typically the three reasons why trials happen for our maturation, for our correction, and for our direction. Many of us can probably recall a time or two where severe inconveniences in our lives turned out to be a blessing in disguise. In some cases, these blessings could have more than likely been life-saving. As Pastor Gary will teach you in his message today, not all of life's headaches are necessarily a bad thing, and we would do well to look for the blessings in things. In his study, you'll learn ways in which you can look at certain challenges with a heart of optimism rather than assuming the worst. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of James, chapter 1, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. In the midst of the trial, there's this constant, there's this peace in the midst of it. There's this reliability on the Lord in the midst of it. There's the source of a contentment that does not fluctuate based on the circumstances. Our joy is rooted in Jesus. That's why this is not a, you know, this is not saying put on a plastic face, act hypocritical, pretend like, you know, everything's fine when everything's not fine, but it is simply to say, hey, Things aren't fine. I'm going through this trial, but the source of my joy, the source of my strength, the source of my peace is in knowing Jesus. This is why Psalm 34 verse 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. And it says in Isaiah 41 10, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And because of that, we can say like the psalmist did in Psalm 46.1, that God is our refuge, our strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. That's how we have joy in Him, because He helps us to face our trials, not alone, but with His help and with His presence. Then the question becomes, why? Why do trials 
come. When you look at the Bible, there are basically three reasons why trials come, and here they are. For our maturation, for our correction, and for our direction. All trials basically fall into one of those three categories, or maybe a combination. The first one is for our maturation. That's basically what this passage is saying to us here in verses 3 and 4. He says that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. Uh, New King James and ESV says you might be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Uh, this is very similar, by the way, to what Romans 5 tells us. Paul, Paul writes in Romans 5, 3 to 5, he says, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So trials tend to grow us up. They build character in our lives. We don't, you know, I don't know anybody who really welcomes them. I'm just telling you the residual effect of trials is that it tends to grow us up. It draws us closer to the Lord in ways, friends, and those of you who've been through trials can, can acknowledge this. They bring us closer to God in ways that the good times just don't. I mean, you know, I love to press near to Jesus in the good times, but I'm telling you, I've pressed into him harder in the bad times. And as much as we don't like to go through the bad times, we grow more during the bad times than we do the good times. Is that, is that anybody's testimony? You grew by leaps and bounds through the difficult times, through the, the stretching times, through the challenging times. Uh, Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, when he was talking about his own trials and his own difficulties, he said, we're under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. He said, indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And so Paul was saying, I I didn't like the trials, but I can tell you this much. It purged me of self-reliance and it made me more God dependent. And that's the nature of trials. You know, we esteem in our culture, people who are self-made people. But let me tell you something. The problem with self-made people is they're self-reliant because they're self-made. And when you go through a difficult time, if if you think you're going to be the source of of your strength, you're mistaken. And, And that's when people begin to realize their desperate need for God. And so when Paul says that, he said, you know, these trials happen and I might not rely on myself as much as I would on God. Uh, trials have a way of moving us in God's direction. Trials have a way of growing us up and maturing us and refining us and deepening our walk with Him. Uh, Billy Graham once wrote this. He said, quote, When a ship's carpenter needed timber to make a mast for a sailing vessel, he did not cut it in the valley, but up on the mountainside, where the trees had been buffeted by the winds. These trees, he knew, were the stronger of all. Hardship is not our choice, but if we face it bravely, it can toughen the fiber of our souls, end quote. Trials come from maturation, number two, for correction. Sometimes the trials we face, quite honestly, are brought on by our own bad choices. When we disobey God, uh, we sometimes invite 
difficulties. We sometimes invite trials. Um, God isn't pleased with our choices sometimes, but he will use our bad choices to bring correction so that we might learn. And therefore, some of the trials we experience are the direct result of our own disobedience. You look at the prodigal son in the story of the New Testament. Jesus shared that story. You know, it was clear that the prodigal son wanted to live life the way he wanted to live it, and he was given liberty to do that. Um, But in living life the way he wanted to live it without real regard for God, and he squandered everything that his father had given him, it wasn't until he was in the pig crib eating what pigs eat, that he began to realize his own desperate condition. And, and sometimes that's where we, we need to go before we finally will uh, be corrected enough. The trial brings correction. Uh, a similar thing, remember Jonah, the story of Jonah. I mean, Jonah disobeyed God. I don't want to go preach to the Ninevites. I don't want to go do this. So, you know, he, he ends up uh, going the opposite direction from Nineveh, gets on a ship, and tries to sail away from God, <laughs> God's calling, as if you could do that. And then God brings along the storm, you know, you know the story, and Jonah then is thrown into the sea by his own uh, admission. He's like, yeah, the reason we're in a bad storm is because I'm running from God, and so you, you all ought to just throw me overboard. And they're like, no, 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 we love you, Jonah. We'll just row faster back to shore. He's like, no. And then the storm gets worse, remember that? And so he's like, no. And they're like, yeah, you're right. We ought to just throw you overboard. And so then they throw him over, and then he's swallowed by a big fish. This isn't, this isn't a fable. It's a, it's a real story. It's just a, it's just, it was a big fish. Now, you know, we say whale, but the Bible doesn't really say whale. The Hebrew word is dag, D-A-G, as in dag. That's a big fish. Uh, <laughs> swallowed him up, spit him out. Guess what? All of a sudden, Jonah's obedient now. He's going to go to Nineveh. You know, it's nothing like being swallowed by a big fish to, you know, get you on the right track. And so sometimes correction comes our way. Uh, and, and the trial is something we brought on ourselves. Jonah brought the trial on himself, but God used it to, to correct him. And then, of course, we have uh, not just maturation, not just correction, but sometimes trials come uh, for direction. Sometimes a difficulty can actually be the way that God redirects our lives. Maybe he has other purposes that we cannot see until hardship moves us in that direction. You, you can see a couple of examples in the Bible. You look at the Apostle Paul when he was on um, his way to Rome, sailing in the Mediterranean Sea, Acts chapter 27 and 28, record the whole incident when the ship ends up wrecking and uh, he ends up surviving barely and comes ashore on a little island of Malta in the middle of the Mediterranean. Uh, but it was there on the island of Malta that God used him in miraculous ways to heal people who were sick on that island. And it's interesting, you know, Paul hadn't sinned, he hadn't done anything wrong, just circumstances and trials, you know, being shipwrecked, he ends up on the island of Malta, and God used that to bring healing to people, and God just redirected Paul's life because here Paul is on his way to Rome and God's like, nope, I got some people on Malta that you need to see. And so sometimes trials happen because God is redirecting our lives and it doesn't have anything to do with like disobedience. Um, There's another example in scripture related to Paul too. In Acts chapter 16, verse six, it's interesting. 
that tells us on one of Paul's missionary journeys that Paul was on his way to Macedonia, but it's, and he was in the region of Galatia. And in Acts 16, 6, it says, but we were kept by the Holy Spirit from going into Macedonia. Why would the Holy Spirit keep the apostle Paul from going somewhere to advance the gospel? If in fact, God is going to use a trial to redirect him for other purposes. And what we end up finding then when we read the letter to Galatians, in Galatians 4.13, Paul says to the people of Galatia, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. It's very interesting. When you put together Acts 16.6 and Galatians 4.13, what we learn is, The reason why Paul did not advance into Macedonia, the reason why he was sidelined in Galatia, is because he got sick. He hadn't sinned, he hadn't disobeyed God, he hadn't done anything wrong, but God then sidelined him in Galatia, and then the gospel came to the Galatians, because Paul ended up staying there instead of moving on. And so God used an illness to bring about actually Paul's advancement of the gospel there in Galatia rather than moving on to Macedonia. So the point is simply this. There are some times that God will use a trial to redirect your life, and it doesn't have anything to do with your disobedience. The difficulty, say, the breakup of a dating relationship, because God is going to redirect you to another person. Sometimes it's the loss of a job, and at the moment that feels devastating. It's a trial. It's difficult. How are you going to pay the bills? But it's because God wants you to get somewhere else. You know, sometimes it's the flat tire and we think, oh, this is a, you know, this is an inconvenience. This is a difficulty, but maybe God is redirecting you. You know, there are different things that happen. Not every trial is to be seen as something that is terrible because in the long run, it might actually be God's way of redirecting. So these are typically the three reasons why trials happen for our maturation, for our correction and for our direction. But I want you to notice If you're still here in James 1, if you jump down to verse 12, because again, he doesn't, some of this information is, you know, not all that organized, but in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, blessed is the man or the woman, it's just a generic term, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And so what he's saying to us is, whatever the reason for the trial, whether it's for your maturation, correction, or direction, all trials in the end, you can rest assured if you persevere, you'll be blessed. Because the one who perseveres, no matter what the trial, no matter what form the trial takes, or no matter for what purpose the trial happens, God gives this promise that if you persevere, you will be blessed. Now go back up here in chapter 1, where we left off at verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So th- this section here now, he, he talks briefly about wisdom. He's going to talk about wisdom further in the book, but 
First, he talks about wisdom here. Uh, For you note takers, jot down this verse. It's Proverbs 4, verses 5 through 7. This is what it says. Proverbs 4, 5 through 7. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Now it's interesting there. It tells us two things there in Proverbs 4. That wisdom is attainable, otherwise God wouldn't say get it. Wisdom is attainable. That's one thing it tells us. But it also tells us that wisdom does not come naturally. Uh, God wouldn't tell us to get something if we just naturally had it. So that's important to recognize. Wisdom is attainable, but wisdom does not come naturally. So why does God tell us to get wisdom? And James talks about wisdom here. What is wisdom and how do we get it? Uh, So first things first, why does God tell us to get wisdom? And the answer to that, folks, is basically this. Because, Because circumstances in life demand it. Knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. There are problems that you will face. There are challenges. There are circumstances that confront all of us that need something more than what knowledge can provide. Have you ever been in situations where you realize not enough book smarts and not enough street smarts is going to help me with this? I need wisdom from above. Ever been in situations like that where you just realize not enough book smarts is going to help me, not enough street smarts. I need wisdom from above. And that's why God says, get wisdom. Wisdom is supreme. You see, we live in a culture that says, get knowledge. We live in a culture that is almost deified education. It's like, get knowledge, get education. Now, listen. Nothing wrong with getting knowledge and nothing wrong with getting education. Only if that is like the God in your life, right? I like smart people, especially if they're going to take out my appendix. You know what I'm saying to you? I want somebody who's really smart and knows how to take out my appendix if I I ever need that. I want somebody who's really smart. If I get on an airplane, I want somebody really smart in the cockpit who knows exactly what he or she is doing. So I want smart people, and smart people are good. We need, we need smarts. We need knowledge. But knowledge is not the solution to everything in life. And so while we tout education, you know, in our culture, we've made, we've made knowledge the premium. We don't talk much about wisdom. We talk about knowledge. Get a good education. Okay, fine. Get a good education. And getting a good education has made a difference in a lot of people's lives. I get that. But we can't dismiss the importance of wisdom. And God says for us to get wisdom. Uh, Here's basically an understanding and and a differentiation between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Think of it like this. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. Understanding is the interpretation. But wisdom is the application. See, I know a lot of smart people, they, they've, they've got a lot of knowledge, they've accumulated a lot of information, and they can interpret it well. But they, didn't, they don't know jack squat how to apply it. And so it's like, well, that person's really smart. You ever run into people who are brilliant? They got a lot of letters after their names, but they can't tie their shoes. And you're like, what happened here? 
Well, because there's sometimes a disconnect between, you can have a lot of information. You can just be a receptacle of information. You can even regurgitate the information. That's basically how I passed school. I just, I got it, I regurgitated it, right? But there's a whole difference between gathering information, interpreting it, okay, and then applying it. And for the application, we really need help from above. You know, you, for example, you can read all the parenting books in the world to try to be a good parent, but all that parenting information will be useless to you unless you have wisdom as to how to apply it and as to how to apply it related to your particular children who are different and who are unique. You can read all the self-help books. You can read all, on approving your marriage and books on dieting and books on investing But if you don't have wisdom, all that information will just be an accumulation of stuff. Wisdom is supreme, God says. Therefore, get wisdom. When you're facing a crisis, you need the wisdom of God. When you're making life-impacting decisions, you need the wisdom of God. When you have questions or fears, you need the wisdom of God. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. And so James talks here about wisdom. Uh, There is a difference, by the way, between worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And James is going to talk a little bit more about that uh, further on in in chapter 3. Worldly wisdom is basically the accumulation of knowledge and the accumulation of life experience. So people, it isn't isn't to say, because I want to make make clear on this, it isn't to say that only Christians have wisdom. Uh, I, I would say this, only Christians have wisdom from above, but there's an earthly wisdom. However, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.19 that the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. So there is a certain measure of wisdom that people can have, obviously, who don't know the Lord, but that wisdom is basically based on what has been developed in their lives over time and experience and the accumulation of, of life um, experiences. But godly wisdom is from above, and it has nothing to do necessarily with how old you are. You know, I, I've met some very young people who have, like, wisdom beyond their years because they know the Lord and they have a wisdom from above to be able to see and discern things in their world that doesn't come through textbooks or life experience. It is something that is really from above. And so how do we get it? He tells us right there in verse 5, look at your Bibles again, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should what? Ask God. Pray and ask. See, how do I get this wisdom? You ask. And it says, and God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. In other words, God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't discriminate. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to give wisdom to you, but not to you. If you ask, he'll distribute it. He'll give you wisdom from above generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because doubting is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Don't think you're going to get anything. (laughs) You're just a double-minded person. In other words, don't do this. Don't say, Lord, I need wisdom. I got this incredible decision I, I have to make, and I just, I need your wisdom from above. So give me wisdom. I probably won't. You know, don't do that. Just, just say, thank you, Lord. 
I, I'm going to trust that you're going to give me the wisdom for this, and, and, and I'm going to trust you based on your word, and you're faithful to your word, and you say that you give generously, you give liberally to all who ask without finding fault, and so thank you for the wisdom that I need today, and thank you for the wisdom that I need tomorrow, and pray, and don't doubt, because God gives generously to all without finding fault. So pray for wisdom. Sometimes we become so familiar with Scripture that we forget these words were actually spoken by the Lord and that He actually meant them. How would your life change if you took the verses in James seriously? For example, James 1.27, which says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. There's so much to live up to in just this one verse. When is the last time you visited an orphan or a widow? And the second part is perhaps even tougher. How much of the world has made its way into your home? Are the things you're watching and reading and listening to glorifying to the Lord? Or are they perhaps staining you in ways you haven't even realized? We're all in this life together and learning and growing step by step. Pastor Gary Hamrick is making his way through James, which is absolutely filled with challenges to our comfort and complacency. But isn't it great? With each new message, you and I have the chance to grow more like our Savior. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection. If you're enjoying the opportunity to become more like Christ, we have more for you. Just subscribe to our podcast, and we'll see you here next time for another opportunity to grow on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.